You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. In today's show, we go behind enemy lines with Matt Dainley, who covers the Indianapolis Colts for SB Nation's Stampede Blue website and podcast. Matt helps me preview the wild card game for this one. Welcome aboard, everybody. I'm Robert Land, also host of the Houston Sports Talk podcast. My co-host, Brian Patterson, with the day off. Thanks for diving into your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. Quick roster note to start with, the Texans play safety Mike Tyson and add safety A.J. Hendy off the L.A. Chargers practice squad roster. Hendy was an undrafted free agent back in 2016. He's in his third season out of the University of Maryland, played a total of one game in his NFL career. That was back in 2016 for the Dolphins. Otherwise, just kind of bounced around on practice squads. We'll see if he's even active on Saturday. The big news, really, over the last couple of days If you haven't heard, Kiki QT looks like he's ready to go. He's actually not on the practice injury report this week. We're going to circle back to QT, I'm sure. But let me bring in our old friend, Matt Dainley, who's on the line. And I want to wish you a happy new year, Matt. But let's be honest, none of our Texans fans really wanted to be talking about the Colts this Saturday. Jeez. Yeah, I didn't think so. Happy new year to yourself, Robert. Uh, Good to talk to you again, man. But yeah, this uh, this is... You know, when the Colts get into the playoffs, this was one way or another going to be a rematch between the Texans and Colts. So um, I, I don't know. We, we, do you think the fan base is, is not excited for this match or, or what do you think? What do you I mean, we, the pulse of the fandom, I suppose, is what I'm asking. What do you think that they're thinking? They're excited about this or no? I think they're scared to death. I, I, <laughs> I, I mean, you tell me if I'm wrong, but really you look at the matchup from the Texans standpoint and and the way we see it, I think the way a lot of Texans fans and media sees it is uh, it's really a worst case because the Texans strength on this defensive unit is the defensive line, the pass rush. You guys just don't give up sacks to Andrew Luck. Uh, the offensive line is maybe the best in the NFL. Now, when you look at sack total and that kind of thing and offensively, uh, you know, that side of the ball, I don't know about that being the worst matchup in the world, but I do know that T.Y. Hilton is the type of guy that the Texans just have no answer for right now with the speed that they have at the cornerback, and, and uh, that's going to be a problem every time they face the Colts, and it, it just seems like we, we've re- relived that nightmare over and over again. Uh, me personally, I'm a little, I wouldn't say worried. Uh, I'm ca- I'm concerned, I guess, with his ankle injury. Um, that it's it's just happened for so or you know it's been occurring for so many weeks in a row now that I'm just worried that it's possible that if they get him shut down where do they go from there you know there's a couple reasons to be concerned outside of that is as far as like third down uh, targets and such you know Ebron's kind of had some issues with some third down targets you know do they go I mean is Dontrell Inman really the guy on third down they seem to like him and Andrew Lux sure, certainly seems to be targeting him on third down but it just kind of leaves that door open to some uncertainty, I guess. But all in all, I think from the Colts' perspective, uh, the fandom, I think the Colts fans are excited about this matchup. I am because I think that the Colts have a legitimate shot at uh, at you know moving on. To be quite honest with you, yeah, I was thinking about this today, and I don't know what you think. I might be crazy, but 
you know, the Texans, it'd be a better matchup for them right now if they face the Patriots. I just think it's just, it's a bad matchup for the, for the Texans. Uh, the Patriots right now, you know, the, the Tom Brady is not maybe what he once was that offensive line, maybe not quite as good as the Colts offensive line. And, and so the Texans might be able to do some stuff there. They don't have as good a deep threat as TY, I think. And, and if you just look at that matchup, maybe that's a better matchup for the Texans. Uh, I just, I don't like the Texans against a good quarterback of any kind right now, but uh, especially one with a wide receiver that has that uh, vertical speed that, that T.Y. does. Uh, how has T.Y. looked to you? I mean, is he is he looking like he's getting better from week to week? Is there anything about his health that, that would scare you, even though he's not practicing right now? It just still concerns me. I mean, it's just an ongoing concern. Mainly, I mean, we saw last week or this past week against the Titans, you know, his first catch and run. He had to come off the field because it was aggravating, you know, and I mean, I think that that's probably going to be the case. I think it's one of those things where you get the momentum going or the adrenaline pumping, you know, inside and it's good. And then as soon as you start kind of jogging or or walking, you know, then it's you start feeling it again. I think anybody who's played sports, you know, and has a nagging injury can attest to that. But I, uh, I I don't I wouldn't say concerned until you see him stay down again. And then then there should be some concern. So I'm just hoping that. He's uh, he's able to fight through all that. And that's uh, it's something that he can get past and get through and that the Colts are able to, uh, you know, spread the ball around like they have been in terms of in the uh, passing game to where they don't have to use him uh, any more than they do. Hopefully they can just get a couple big plays out of him and uh, hopefully one of them crosses the goal line and then you can kind of, you know, work it out from there. Like I said off the top, if there's any good news for the Texans, I mean, QT, he is somebody that they've desperately needed that looked fantastic when I saw him uh, in minicamp and OTAs and just looked like he could be a game changer at the slot. Somebody the Texans uh, haven't had in their history. Is is that something that would worry you if you've got a slot receiver with uh, quickness and maybe the ability to get open? Do, have the Colts been able to handle that this year when they've had those type of players uh, across the line from them? He gashed them in their first meeting this year. So, I mean, I be, I'm concerned about it. I think that the Colts secondary has gotten better throughout the season. But, I I mean, I think, I think Kenny Moore is the perfect answer for him. Uh, he's done, he just does so so good mirroring uh, guys. And, you know, Pierre DeSir has played a little bit better. Quincy Wilson's getting a little more uh, attack-minded, I guess you could say, when, he, when the ball's in the air. So I think that the Colts secondary is better suited to fit, uh, you know, a second – receiver there uh, uh in addition to hopkins but hopkins is is going to be the guy you know i mean and what they need to do i is it you look at it like this it is is there is there focus to take hopkins away and or attempt to take hopkins away I'll, you know you know he's going you can't you can't completely stop him so you want to contain him is that was that what you do or do you just take everything else away and kind of accept the fact that hopkins is going to just have a game you know, I mean, it's 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 just one of those things where you just don't know how they're really approaching this with Hopkins being such a primary target. And, you know, like I said, QT gashed the Colts secondary in their first meeting. So, I mean, he's more than capable of, of putting the game together. They just can't let two of them go off. If two of the receivers go off and Lamar Miller has a good game, that's, you know, that's that's going to be a difficult uh, a difficult thing to deal with. And the Colts haven't been worth a crap when they uh, they face the screen game. So that's. 
one of the things that uh, you know Colts fans should be on the lookout for too, and I think that that's probably something that the Texans should uh, attempt to look at. Because I mean, simple looking at tape, and it doesn't even have to be against the Texans. You can look at the tape, and I'm sure that O'Brien has been. Uh, the Colts are very vulnerable against the screen game, and that's something that the Colts have to have to shore up. I mean, this is the playoffs; you can't have any of those. Well, my partner Brian not here with me for this one, but he had a few questions he wanted me to ask. I want to get to that get to that in just a second with you, Matt. But first, just want to remind everybody if you want to see all of our shows in the Locked On Podcast Network, uh, one way to do it you just want to see like what what all do we have, like what are who all the teams we cover. Check out our website, lockedonpodcast.com. That's podcast plural, lockedonpodcast.com. You can click around to see. All our NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, college, and national fantasy and draft shows. Again, it's LockedOnPodcast.com. All right, Matt, Brian had some questions for you. The first one, uh, pretty simple. You know, without a significant pass rush, uh, how have the Colts been successful this year? Well, they've been able to get, I mean, they're stopping the run, which is something that the Colts haven't uh, done in the past. You know, this is not your, you know, even last year's uh, 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 run defense. And, and look, they've had a couple years where they haven't quite allowed four yards per carry. But this is the first season, Robert, since 1995 that the Indianapolis Colts have outrushed their opponents for the season. So, I mean, take that in. A lot, there, there are 15 guys on this roster, on this Colts roster, that are 23 years old and younger. So, <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's something that we haven't seen as Colts fans in a long time. And I think that you can kind of attribute it to just the way that Matt Eberflus has been able to call the game, the way that he's been able to get other guys involved, the way that you see the chemistry working out between Anthony Walker and Darius Leonard. And and I'll be honest with you, you know, guys like Matthew Adams, guys like, you know, Najee Good, who doesn't see a lot of snaps right now, but they keep rotating in these third linebackers and they have been able to contribute as well. And they're hard nosed guys. They, they downhill. They want to stop them. And the biggest thing, I think, and it may go a little unnoticed because it just doesn't seem like it plays much of a part uh, in the game because they haven't, you know, they, they, they're they okay in sacks. They're not one of the highest, you know, five teams in sacks, I don't believe, right now. But the Colts have been able to stop running backs, reroute them, get tackles for loss this year. That plays a massive part. And when you have a guy like Deshaun Watson that you're getting ready to face this week, their biggest thing is to get initial, immediate, internal pressure. And if they do that, they're going to force Deshaun Watson to the left or the right that's where they are going to attack him. And if he can step up into the pocket and has some solid uh, protection, then I think Deshaun Watson's a different quarterback against this cor- this uh, Colts defense. Ultimately, this I mean, it, it just it's Matt Eberflus. It's the chemistry between this defensive line, defensive uh, backfield, and this linebacking core. And they all really are starting to work really, really well together. Something that I think a lot of Colts fans were legitimately worried about is coming into this Tampa 2. You know that's just a run gushing. I mean, that's just a, a sieve almost in the past for the Colts defense. This year it's not that way. And it's really fun and interesting to watch the way that he's been able to do it. Now, there's something I've noticed, and I don't know if it necessarily affects anything that's actually happened, but the Colts early in the season were slanting really hard and often on their defensive line. I haven't noticed that quite as much at the end of the year, the second half of the season. And I've also noticed that uh, Eberflus is dialing up some really good situational pressure. 
And he sees, you know, he, he's doing a good job at reading offensive coordinators, I think. And I think that that's probably something that's going a little bit under the radar as well. So I think that there's a little bit of luck in there, but I think that there is a heck of a lot. And you know, a, a lot of what the Colts talk about is building, you know, the, the internal uh, presence of this team. And building the culture. And I think that a lot of that has gone straight to the defense. And I think that that's been a really important piece to the Colts' success this year. I mean, you can look at Andrew Luck. He's been a a stud this year. A lot of things on offense are working well right now. But the defense, you know, they they continue to make plays. They continue to turn teams over. They continue to bring in pressure when it's really needed. And they just continue to be a pretty fundamental bunch. And that has been probably one of the best things that the Colts could have asked for this year. You don't see a lot of missed tackles. You see a lot of shore tackling guys using, you know, their arms to completely wrap up. You don't see a bunch of, you know, almost just flying dolphin tackles. I don't know how else to explain them, but you don't see guys coming through there like missiles. You see guys going in there, absorbing some of the impact of the ball carrier and making sure that they get them down with minimal yards after contact. And that's something that it doesn't, it doesn't get a lot of praise, but it's been super important for this defense this year. Brian also wants to know who should we watch for on defense other than Darius Leonard, maybe the rookie of the year, but who do you think is going to make an impact maybe in this game? I think I got to go with Danico Autry. He's he's killed you guys the first two games. I mean, he's had like uh, five or six tackles for loss. I think he's had three or four sacks against uh, the Texans this year in their two meetings. And that's, I mean, it, it has to be to Nico Autry. He has, he has apparently found something within that offensive line there to where he's just been a, a, a maniac outside of the actual maniac, Darius Leonard. So I think Autry is a big key for that offensive line. They've got to stop him because, like I said, he's had a really good couple of games against uh, the Texans. But I think also you've got to look at Kenny Moore. Kenny Moore is a really quality secondary Uh, piece for the Colts right now and I think that if you see Deshaun Watson get a little aimless with the ball I think that you'll probably see something uh, with him because he's done so good he he, even against uh, Hopkins in their first matchup of the season in Lucas Oil he was mirroring Hopkins really well and Hopkins really had to fight despite the size differential between the two Hopkins had to really fight for a lot of those receptions so I think that if you can if they can get one of their larger corners like Desir or Wilson or somebody else in there to actually affect Hopkins, then I think that if they have to go to a secondary receiver, then you're going to see Kenny Moore make some plays. Deshaun Watson hates to check down. I think if there's anything that can help the Texans against any sort of difference in the pass rush uh, that they would see from the Colts, it would be just having QT back because that was somebody – that he trusts and he just there's not a lot of guys that he's been trusting in his short game he says he trusts everybody anybody that's on the field with them uh you know whether it's the tight ends or uh deandre carter whoever but qt i I just saw a a level of trust that i haven't seen from him all year even in in camp and even i mean just it was amazing how much that those two guys were on the same wavelength so I'll, i'll be interested to see that uh I got another question from Brian. Before I do get to that one, though, I want to ask you, you know, everybody's been talking about the Colts upgraded offensive line. And, you know, I look at it, you know, you, you look at the talent upgrade, but tell me about their offensive line coach, the new offensive line coach, because, you know, first of all, you're going to have to say his name because I'm afraid to. The Googly M. And yeah, and I'm going to 
<laughs> just go through like he's bounced around a lot and for somebody that seems to have done a, as good a job as he's done with this group and a, a relatively young group i mean we're talking about just over the last 10 years uh the dolphins the jets the patriots the chargers the dolphins again and and now the colts well yeah, i think you look at most of those teams and you see the turnover with uh, a lot of those teams. So in general, you know when a head coach or uh, when there's a massive turnover at the top that the turnover trickles downhill. So I th- I don't know that I would read too much into that, especially with being an offensive line coach. But he's definitely a guy that the Colts targeted. They wanted him in there. They've been praising him the entire time. He's done a really good job with, I think, you know, you look at, like you said, you see the talent upgrade, you know, when they've got Quentin Nelson, you've got Costanzo back and healthy now. Uh, but look at the, you know, even Ryan Kelly, you know, who, who's not been completely healthy all year. But you look at some of the guys that have filled in, okay? Matt Slauson started the season at right guard, and now we've got Mark Glowinski in there. He has been a hell of an upgrade. I mean, he's been fantastic. And you look at Braden Smith, a rookie at right tackle who was considered by a lot of people coming out of the draft to be strictly a guard. They didn't even even give him an opportunity to be a tackle. The Colts saw a tackle in him or at least the potential to be a tackle. And then look at Evan Bame. Evan Bame's been filling in for Ryan Kelly at center uh, throughout the season when he's been out. And that's where you see what Gooch really does for this offensive line. He has taught these guys up and coached these guys up. And the I think you miss a little bit of the chemistry, if not a lot of it, with Ryan Kelly being out because he is such a smart guy and he is the guy calling out the protections, calling out the different things up at the line of scrimmage. But it cannot go unnoticed that Evan Bames filled in remarkably, in my opinion. Uh, Mark Glowinski has been a guy, you know, this last week he had some really bad penalties, call, got a couple of cu- touchdowns called back. Uh, but just the way that he's been able to coach up the guys who were not initially even starters on this uh, on this offensive line and to get them not just in game ready form, but to get them ready for the long haul and to get them to continue to play well. It's been really fun to watch. Now, how much of that is coaching? How much of that is just tapping the right potential? I don't know. But whatever he's doing, he's doing something right because there is – look, nobody thought Mark Glowinski was going to be even a second secondary offensive lineman on this team. I don't think that a lot of people were giving him 53-man roster projections at the beginning of the season, to, just to tell you the truth. Uh, Braden Smith, we saw him in training camp start out guard. I, I w- kind of – pushed for them to try him at right tackle just because the Colts had had so many awful uh, right tackles throughout the the early parts of this preseason and, and training camp. You know, I thought, what the heck, you may as well give it a try. Well, I saw him in about four days worth of camp and he looked awful, just terrible. I thought, OK, you tried him, <laughs> get him out of there because he's bad. He has completely turned on the switch and has been fantastic. He's taken on some really impressive pass rushers. He's taken on Watt. And uh, twice this year, and he's he's been pretty solid. I mean, Watts had his way with him a, uh, a, a handful of times for sure. But Watt is one of the premier pass rushers and defensive linemen in in, in the NFL. So I think as a rookie, you look at him, and he's been you know for what it's worth, Pro Football Focus had him at like the third or fourth best rookie uh, offensive lineman uh, by their grades. And I I think that if you 
just forget about how they grade and you just look at the list of guys that they had on there, I think that you're fairly accurate, you know, with with how he's played. He's been really good. Um, so I, I think that a lot of that can be attributed to, to Googe, but you know, it, it's really hard to tell because that's something that just doesn't, you, you just don't hear a whole lot of the specifics of how that, uh, you know, relationship between the offensive lineman and the coach have really blossomed, but you can tell simply by looking at the depth that they've had to get to, to be where they're at. And those guys are playing like starters in the NFL, like legitimate NFL starters that in itself should be some sort of, uh, you know, a feather in Gouge's cap, in my opinion. Incredible analysis from Matt. We're going to talk a little bit more. Want to get into just some special team stuff and we're going to get back to TY of course. And, And if you love our show, just want to, Remind you to spread the word, preach the Locked On Texans gospel. Tell your friends, if you got that new smart speaker for Christmas, you can tell it to play the Locked On Texans podcast. Just say, play the Locked On Texans podcast. I tried that myself. You know, you can do it while you're making dinner in the kitchen, whatever. It's a great way to to listen to us, uh, you know, hands-free. That's the cool way to do it. Uh, don't forget, you can also email us at LockedOnTexans.mail.com for questions or comments. We want you to be part of the conversation. All right, Matt, just uh, on special teams, we, me and Brian were looking at this, and, and Brian, great question from him, uh, because we've seen the success that our special teams has jumped, you know, and what that has meant to the team. Uh, you guys are right there with us, one of the better special teams in the NFL. What's gone into the success there? I think it's just Sanchez being, I mean, if you're if you're talking about like return yards and, and whatnot, I think that you're getting quality returns out of Pascal and I think you're getting some good blocking and I think that the Colts have you know a pretty good special teams unit in general because they've got a lot of guys that are young a lot of guys that are hungry and want to fight for roster uh you know to for playing time more or less outside of that it's it's hard to tell you know is it their special teams coach what is it on that in that area but what they're doing in terms of flipping field position Sanchez has completely uh, blown away anybody's expectations of what he could do this year. He's been fantastic. He's been great directional punting. He's doing great in net yards return. I mean, it, it, he's just done a great job. And I think that really that is what it is. Their gunners are getting downfield. They're stopping, you know, they're tackling. And it goes right back to the defensive uh, mindset. They are just tackling really, really well this year. Their big problem, I guess you could say, and I don't know if it's necessarily uh, focused in on, on special teams, but you're just seeing too many penalties yeah, and too many stupid penalties at that. But some of these guys, you know, like George Odom, who's a backup safety, who's gotten some starter snaps this year because of some injuries in the secondary. He's a hungry dude. I mean, he's a hard hitter. He's not always the brightest guy on the field, but he's hard, hitting hard. Matthew Adams is one of the hardest hitters on this team. He is going out there trying to take somebody out. And this is what you've got in this group. You've got a young, hungry group. And when you pair that with, you know, a good special teams coach at that, but you've also got a punter who is putting lots of hang time underneath the ball. You're seeing him use the sideline to his advantage. And you're basically just seeing guys get downfield and and be disciplined. And I think that a lot of that is what Frank Reich has been preaching throughout this year. Look, don't set yourself apart. Be disciplined. If you're disciplined and everybody beside you is disciplined, things will fall into place. And I honestly, uh, Robert, I, I really do believe that it's just as simple as that. 
How do you bottle up T.Y.? What, what has worked against him? Is it a fast corner? Is it a physical corner? Is it teams that are just great at uh, being able to move the safety around and, and, and stay over the top with him? What have you seen that's worked uh, against him? In, in the past, it's been you know jamming him at the line of scrimmage and keeping him within that first five yards for more than a couple seconds. T.Y. is really shifty and, and pretty crafty, and he will get loose. The thing... With this offense, though, Robert, this year is you see Andrew Luck. Obviously, he loves T.Y. Hilton. But the best thing about Andrew Luck this year is he does not care who's open. He is simply going to find the the guy through his progressions and get them the ball. And if that's T.Y., great. If it's Pascal, great. It doesn't matter. He loves Dontrell Inman, but you'll see him completely uh, roll against Inman on third down uh, and go to you know whoever, Ebron. It's been the incorporation of the tight ends. It's been guys stepping up. Ryan Grant was a guy that they talked highly about this year at the beginning of the year. And, and just about anybody else down the line of this wide receiver depth chart has surpassed him in, in attempts and catches. So it, I, I wish I could give you something that's, that's definitely worked. It's basically going to be somebody who is in position to fight at the catch point. That's really what it comes down to from a secondary perspective. Is the is the coverage there when the ball is delivered? And if they are, are they are they fundamental in trying to get Ty's hands open? Are they are they fundamental in trying to get a piece of the ball before it gets to Ty's hands? That's really what it boils down to. If you can stay with Ty and you can be disciplined, because you see, I mean, Robert, how many times do you see Ty leak out and just simply be all by himself? Sometimes it's just people who he is not a a, a corner running uh, a route or not a corner busting route runner. He's not cutting everything off as crisp as some of these other receivers do. He rounds off a lot of his routes. But the thing is, is you kind of see him change uh, speeds and, and tones. And when he gets to the top of his route, he is very smart about coming back to the ball. He's smart about finding openings. He sees where people are, you know, who's looking in the backfield, who's not. It really depends on the discipline of the secondary. And if they're there to challenge him at the catch point, then, you know, that's ultimately, I mean, it, it sounds very simple, but it, I mean, it almost is just too simple. You're not going to stop T.Y. because he is uh, pretty solid against physical corners. He's pretty solid against fast corners. The bottom line is, is that people lose contain and they, you know, they just forget about him. And once you forget about him, that's when you see him 40 yards downfield catching a bomb from Andrew Luck and, and getting into the end zone. So it really matters if they can uh, pass off good in their zones, if they can stay with him man to man and be there for the catch point. I'll be honest with you, if they can't hold him in check and maybe that would be. Uh, I don't know what, what it would be, maybe yardage-wise, let's say under 80 or 70 yards or something like that. I don't see a way the Texans win outside of like some weird bounces of the ball, turnovers, things like that, because you know that's the way that the Texans like to win games. They want to wait for you to make a mistake, and they, they just don't want to give up the big play, and that that's Romeo's game plan as a defensive coordinator, and it's been the whole time he's been with the Texans. I, mean, mm -hmm. I, I don't know about you. It's just I just don't see another way to to to, to win this game if, if I'm the Texans, other than to hold Ty in, in somewhat of check check there. I was doing a, a, a piece today, Robert, that it kind of blew my mind. I was looking at the rushing yards, you know, looking at the kind of the rushing game, but 
The Texans have held the Colts to two of their lowest rushing performances of the year, two of their lowest four. They've allowed 91 rushing yards on, I can't remember what, like 40, I think it was 40-some attempts, 41 or 42 attempts in their two matchups earlier this season. And like 2.3 yards per carry. I mean, they they Andrew Luck had to throw the ball 103 times against them in their two matchups. That's way too much. If Andrew, I mean, he he was on and he was great. You know, they I think it was a six to one touchdown interception ratio in those two games. But the problem is, is you can't ask Andrew Luck to throw the ball 50 times and expect that everything else is going right. Both of those games were what three point games and Andrew Luck had to throw the ball over 100 times. That running game for the Colts has to be on point. And they've got it doesn't have they don't have to get 150 yards or 200 yards of rushing. But they've got to be able to churn out solid yards per carry to where they don't become one dimensional. And I think that that's really what we're seeing here. If they do turn uh, uh, one dimensional and they're still letting and the Texans are still letting T.Y. get loose, I don't see that this can be a close game. It's the only thing I really have confidence in in this Texans defense right now is, is their ability to stop the run. Oh, they're the best in the league right now in in terms of yards per carry. And I mean, what they're in the top three in like every other category, uh, this Texans run defense is the real deal. And I mean, the Colts have their hands full with it. I'm not going to lie. I'm I'm legitimately that is the one thing that I think that the Colts simply cannot let get past them is they cannot become a one dimensional offense against the Texans because they, they turn the ball over once. Uh, against the Colts and the Colts, I think I think the Colts t- turned the ball over three times in their two matchups. I can't remember exactly what it was, but they lost. They've lost the turnover battle against the Texans, and I, I just it, it, it just continues to go back. They've got to be able to do the little things in order to make the big things happen in terms of the Colts. If the Texans can stop that run some more, you know, maybe lock down Ty long enough to get a couple of. Uh, you know, or a turnover or two, this could be, um, you know, this could be another three point game. I mean, and it could go either way. And one, one bad mistake from the Colts, uh, there in Houston and, you know, the Texans would be the ones moving on. One thing I checked right before we started talking, cause I was wondering what was going on with it is, uh, you know, we're partners with mybookie.ag. I like to check the, the line, see what's going on, uh, for those, of our listeners that want to check it out and it, it's now one and a half. Honestly, I was surprised Matt that it, it was, it, it was at two and a half or three to start with. To me, it mm-hmm. feels like a pick em. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. It does. And it, look, the, their first two, like I said, I continue to say it, their first two games were three point games. You know, the Colts spotted them 14 in their first matchup in Indy. And then, you know, it was 24, 21 there in Houston and Andrew Luck had an amazing game. That you know that should be cause for concern. Andrew Luck has an amazing game. They win by two scores any any other time. If uh, Andrew Luck has an amazing game and it's still that tight, uh, I mean that should scare people. Honestly, I mean that should that should worry Colts fans. But all in all, I think that you have to look. If the, okay, if we're I mean obviously the, these bookmakers they know what they're doing, and it is fun to kind of see where they're at and what they have the uh, line at and so on and so forth. I think you give the Colts the the quarterback uh, battle there. I mean, I think that that's fairly obvious. You know, Deshaun Watson is good, and he's really good with his feet, and he's a pretty accurate quarterback. But that offensive line 
there in Houston has been known. I mean, what, how many sacks did he take this year? It's like 60 something, 50 something. I mean, he took it's, and that in turn is going to lead to turnovers. You know, that's going to lead to a hit on a throw. That's going to lead to a strip sack that in turn is going to do that. Uh, on the other hand, Andrew Luck was sacked less than 20 times this year. So I think that you incorporate that into your quarterback uh, evaluation and you see that the Colts, in my opinion, have that in their favor. Now you look at the defense all in all, and I think you've got a couple of really interesting defenses. You've got an opportunistic defense in the Colts and you've got uh, a defense that is kind of uh, completely backward or not backwards, but just very night and day with what they do. They're excellent against the run. The, the, the Texans are, and then they, you know, they're kind of a sieve against the pass. So, I mean, it, it's kind of, it, it it has to be a pick 'em game almost. You know, there's nothing that you can look at outside of the quarterback situation there and say they have a definitive uh, advantage here that could lead to a win. But you look at Deshaun Watson, you see his potential. You have to, I mean, that gap closes, you know, regardless of how many sacks he has, regardless of this and that. And plus, you just don't see the Colts, you know, blowing it up. Uh, in the sack game they're not getting four and five sacks every single game they're getting maybe one they're drawing some pressure uh they're knocking some balls away but they're not turning teams over three and four times a game they're just getting that one and uh we saw that against the jags you know the colts really should have lost both games against the jaguars this year uh if that fumble doesn't uh get uh forced there i think it was actually darius leonard that forced it uh the jaguars were in field goal position with like a minute to go and they ran the ball. Darius Leonard caused a fumble, and the game's over. And I mean, so they've been opportunistic. They haven't been the team to force a lot of turnovers early in the game and and give themselves a clear advantage moving forward. And I think that that's something that the Colts need to do. Had they been that kind of a defense in terms of like really getting those first half turnovers, I think that this would be uh, possibly a Colts, uh, you know, leading the line here and being favored, but it, despite being on the road, but there's, a, I mean, there's so many other uh, aspects to look into this and it's just a fun to think where it's at, but that one and a half, I think that that's home field advantage just within itself. Don't you? I guess it, it doesn't feel like there is much of a home field advantage recently in the wild card games. Not, not, not like there is in, in the later rounds anyway. Right, right. And I, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I've been at the Texans games. Maybe it's worth a little bit, but, you know, I, I don't know. And honestly, on paper, I still think the Colts are the better team. So to me, if they're the better, better team, the home field advantage might get you to a pick them, like I said. But, uh, man, thanks so much for doing this. You, you always have the incredible uh, information on the Colts, and it, it's really fun to talk to you. Absolutely, man. Love doing it. It's at M-D-A-N-E-L-Y-S-B. He's at uh, SB Nation. Uh, the podcast is Stampede Blue as well as the website. Again, Matt Danley over with SB Nation's Stampede Blue. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to him. Uh, don't forget that we're going to have one more show before the game. So check on us tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit of maybe some about some of the other games on wild card weekend and get into some other stuff but uh uh, looking forward to saturday for sure uh and as always thanks for making us a part of your week you are locked on texans your daily houston texans podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day (laughs) 